0: story of psychology, based on the work of Dr. C. George Bore, with your host, Professor Todd. Part 1: The Ancients. Why Psychology did not begin in China.
1: Western psychology formed at the intersection of philosophy and science. Philosophy asked the big questions about human nature, and science provided a way to systematically investigate those questions. The formation of a formal, systematic, scientific psychology was a uniquely Western invention. So why did so many other cultures so rich in philosophic and scientific tradition not become the birthplace of psychology? Previously, we explored a brief history of China and India, both robust cultures that possessed both a history of philosophical inquiry and of scientific achievement, and yet neither formed a systematic psychology. Modern psychology in both cultures is mostly an import from the West, although both have modified psychology within their unique cultures. So this leads us to a question. What were the obstacles that prevented their developing of a science of psychology? To answer this question, we will focus a little more deeply on the culture of China. We will begin by exploring Chinese philosophy and then Chinese science. These are the two starting points for Western psychology. Then we will examine the subtle obstacles in beliefs and culture that made Chinese psychology quite literally unthinkable. First, Chinese philosophy. Chinese philosophy has a storied history. Chinese philosophers were questioning the nature of human beings at least as early as philosophy was forming in ancient Greece. Confucius commented upon the necessity of education for shaping human nature, on patterns of human development, and on relationships, all of which are in the purview of psychology. Lao Tse philosophized a sophisticated system of philosophy that came to dominate Chinese thinking. Sun Tzu's masterwork, The Art of War, has been repurposed as a manual on personnel management in the 20th century. Chinese science is equally notable. Like the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, ancient China is known for its four great inventions, the compass, gunpowder, paper, and printing. As in Europe, Chinese science flourished in the areas of astronomy, medicine, archaeology, mathematics, and technology. In a comparison of ancient technology, China was more advanced than Europe in many ways, such as their early discovery of the abacus and development of a sundial to measure time. Chinese astronomers also developed an armillary sphere to track planetary movement independently of and years before the same technology in ancient Greece. Considering that China had a philosophical history to rival that of ancient Greece, and a scientific history which was in many ways more advanced than Europe, why did psychology not originate in China? Why was there not even a rudimentary behavioral psychology in China? I'm going to suggest five differences between Western and Chinese culture that became obstacles to the formation of Chinese psychology.
0: Number one, stagnation of science.
1: China never experienced a scientific flowering like the European Renaissance or the Enlightenment, one that would lift their ancient science out of primitive roots and into modernity. More specifically, the physical sciences that China developed were not used to explore humanity writ large, but rather interpreted within the existing feudal system. For instance, astronomy was used primarily to tell time and to honor the rulers of the current dynasty. Unlike Western astronomy, which named constellations after the gods of the Greek pantheon, Chinese constellations were named after common animals. In fact, many modern Chinese restaurants in America still have placemats featuring the animals of the Chinese zodiac. The physical cosmos was reduced to a microcosm of Chinese feudal culture. Because Chinese science never experienced an enlightenment, it did not develop the philosophical emphases within their science that later allowed psychology to develop in the West. Instead of the Western emphasis on rationalism, empiricism, and materialism, Chinese philosophy and science were informed by idealism, animism, and metaphysics. These philosophical paradigms became obstacles that prevented China from forming its own psychology.
0: Number two, idealism instead of rationalism.
1: Chinese scientific inquiry was dominated by a philosophical belief that the number five was somehow sacred. Except for the four seasons, all scientific explanations had to fit the pattern of five. There were five sensations, each with five qualities, five elements, five intestines, five souls, five impulses, five virtues, etc. Although it made an elegant system, which imposed order on the world, the insistence upon fitting the world into predetermined categories limited inquiry into natural laws. Discoveries that did not fit the predetermined model were discounted. In the West, however, rationalism allowed psychology to develop because of its emphasis on free thinking, that is, Rational thinking is unconstrained by the presupposition of how the thinking should end up. Scientific inquiry should be followed wherever it leads, regardless of whether it fits with how we think now or what we think we know. Rationalism allows for exploration with an open mind to whatever will be revealed and an acceptance of what is revealed only with proper proof.
0: Number three. Metaphysics instead of empiricism.
1: The predominant philosophy or religion of China is Taoism. The Taoist philosophy emphasizes the unity of human beings and nature. Understanding the world is achieved by allowing the world to present itself to an open mind. Understanding requires wu-wei or non-action in order to receive the world as it is revealed in its sights, sounds, and sensations. Receptive non-action transcends the need for imposed rules of order. The philosophical focus is on discovering the link between human beings and nature. Aristotelian empiricism, on the other hand, works on the assumption that understanding the world only comes from systematic observation of the world. Rather than non-action, detachment, and receptiveness, knowledge can only be gained by actively pursuing knowledge, detailed observation, and rigorous scientific testing. Understanding will not reveal itself, but must be pursued sought after, sometimes wrested from its hiding places by deliberate scientific action. Taoist philosophy also contrasts with the dominant religious philosophy of Europe during the Enlightenment. Although Taoists recognized order in the world, they did not conceive of laws of nature or a rational divine being who would share those laws with humanity. By contrast, scientists like Galileo and Newton believed that the world was ordered by a creator whose person could be known by studying nature. As religious men, they saw empirical scientific inquiry as a religious as well as scientific pursuit.
0: Number four, animism instead of mechanism.
1: Whereas Western psychology grew out of a tradition of materialism and mechanism, Chinese philosophy has been informed by animism and pantheism. Chinese medicine emphasized the power of herbal remedies and used acupuncture as a treatment. This in keeping with the Taoist belief that mental disorders were the result of blocked qi or life forces. These ideas have implications for a culture, both for the diagnosis and the treatment of mental illness. For instance, in modern China, depression is almost non-existent. Now this would be reason for celebration if the Chinese suicide rate was not three times higher than the world average. In fact, modern Chinese do suffer from a condition in which people feel anxious, tired, unmotivated, and sad. But this is not labeled as depression. Instead, it is a weakness in the channels which carry Qi. This animistic explanation naturally calls for different methods of treatment instead of a mechanistic explanation which emphasizes the function of neurotransmitters in the brain. Rather than antidepressants, the treatment might involve herbal formulas to nourish the kidneys, a spleen tonic, acupuncture, or relieving mental anguish by encouragement and support. The results can be seen in the respective suicide rates. The mechanistic Western model emphasizes observable function. Depression is linked to the function of neurotransmitters in the brain, to patterns of thinking, and to trauma. Treatments involve selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or MAO inhibitors, which change the chemical composition in the brain. The materialistic emphasis demands that physical and verifiable explanations exist for brain function. Explanations that cannot be validated or replicated are discarded. Even the respected Rene Descartes' philosophy of animal spirits was abandoned when it could not be scientifically verified.
0: Number 5. Political Isolationism
1: Western psychology was late in coming to the mainland of China and so was several years behind European and American advances. Wilhelm Wundt established the first psychology laboratory in Leipzig, Germany in 1879. The first psychology laboratory in China was not established until 1917. The Chinese Psychological Society did not come into existence until 1921, almost 30 years after the APA, China's first psychology website was not launched until the year 2000. Once Western psychology began to flourish in the 1940s and 50s, however, it was soon cut down by a sinister force that rejected everything Western and labeled psychology as a bourgeois pseudoscience. Mao Zedong's cultural revolution closed the first psychology laboratory along with all university psychology departments, in 1966. Psychologists were banished, and today, in a country of 1.2 billion people, there are still only 10,000 Chinese psychologists. This anti-scientific bias and anti-intellectual bigotry stunted Chinese scientific and psychological growth. A condition from which it is only barely beginning to recover.
0: Conclusions
1: Obstacles to progress come in many forms. Certainly, there are systematic or external influences that make it more difficult for one group or another to succeed in a field. However, it is more often the obstacles of our own thinking which hold us back, even more than any external force. In most cases, the most insidious obstacle to successful critical thinking and scientific progress is ideological fundamentalism. The desire to arrive at a conclusion that already serves some predetermined goal. Psychologists call this the confirmation bias, the tendency to look for evidence that supports our ideas rather than refutes them. People decide upon what they will believe based upon political ideology, religious dogma, anxious superstition, Or unquestioning faith. All new information is filtered through the screen of the ideology. Rather than separating truth from falsehood, ideologues separate us from them, those who agree from those who disagree, true believers from the apostates. All thinking must serve the ideology. And no conclusions are allowed that depart from the religious orthodoxy or the political dogma, even if empirical evidence shows otherwise. Of course, Chinese scientific progress was not the only field threatened by ideology and dogma. The sad fate of science in Russia is another cautionary tale. The Bolsheviks came to power in 1917, at a time when the science of genetics in Russia eclipsed genetic science in the rest of the world. However, Mendelian genetics, with their evolutionary implications, were seen as undermining the Marxist ideal of cultural revolution through education and economics the Soviet political leadership had come to view traditional science as offering empty theories unsuited to the practical needs of the communist state. Therefore, Russian agricultural science was turned over to Soviet agronomist Trofim Lysenko, whose anti mendelian views on genetics fit perfectly with Stalin's ideology that Russian society could be transformed by re-education and economic revolution. Lysenko's genetic theories were grounded in Lamarckism, the heritability of acquired traits. He believed that stressing a plant could make it more hardy, So, he soaked grain and then stored the wet seed in snow over the winter to increase the yield of the wheat crops. Predictably, Lysenko's pseudoscience not only failed, but Lysenko's reforms led to terrible crop failures and ensuing mass starvation. Yet, scientific dissent from Lysenko's theories was formally outlawed in 1948. And his politically backed orthodoxy was responsible for, quote, the defamation, firing, arrest, and even death of many genuine scientists, according to physicist Andrei Sakharov in 1964. That same year, 1964, Lysenko's immunity from criticism was finally lifted, and a devastating critique of Lysenko was made public. As a result, Lysenko was immediately disgraced in the Soviet Union, although his work continued to have an impact in China for many years after. Now, even science itself is not immune to ideologically based fallacies. Once a matter is considered settled, even scientists can forget that the scientific canon is never closed, And there is no such thing as scientific orthodoxy. Hungarian physician Ignaz Simmelweis noted that surgeons would go straight from the dissection room to the delivery room, delivering babies without washing their hands. Of course, babies could also be delivered by midwives as well as doctors. But doctor's wards had three times the mortality... Of midwives' wards, and septic infection claimed one in three babies. Not fully understanding the role of pathogens and germs, Simmelweis nevertheless demanded that surgeons wash with chlorinated lime solution between patients and before delivering a baby. Hand washing reduced mortality to below 1%. Yet some doctors were offended at the suggestion and stubbornly resisted washing their hands, insisting that the practice conflicted with established scientific and medical opinions of the time. The practice of hand-washing was accepted years after Simmelweis's death, when Louis Pasteur confirmed the germ theory. Ironically, Simmelweis died of septicemia, which could have been prevented by proper hand washing and asepsis. Another example today, scientists are questioning the so called shaken baby syndrome, as medical technology has now helped to release parents from prison who were wrongly convicted of the murder of one of their children. Some cases of so called shaken baby syndrome have been demonstrated to have truly been caused by brain bleeding caused by sickle cell anemia, infections, or other birth defects, and not by parental abuse. Many scientists question whether it is even possible to shake a baby hard enough to cause brain damage without leaving any external marks. And yet, some child advocacy groups resist any suggestion that their long-held conclusions need revising. Similarly, some parents still refuse to vaccinate their children, fearing that preservatives in the vaccine cause autism. Despite evidence that the greatest increase in the incidence of autism occurred after organomercury preservative thimerosal was removed from the vaccines in 1999. And following the scientific debunking of the fraudulent anti-vaccination former physician Andrew Wakefield in England. Wakefield, according to the British Medical Journal, perpetrated, quote, an elaborate fraud to raise public fears of the combined measles-mump rubella vaccine that would allow him to profit from new medical tests and, quote, litigation-driven testing. Meanwhile, the decline in vaccination rates in the United Kingdom, and a corresponding rise in measles cases has resulted in serious illness and multiple childhood fatalities. And yet, a quick internet search will uncover numerous anti-vaccination websites still promoting the debunked mythology about vaccines and autism, despite the much greater risk to children from being unvaccinated. Religiously-based resistance to stem cell research Or politically motivated skepticism about the reality of global climate change are yet other examples of the non-reality based worldview that threatens Western science. In America, this non-reality based thinking is seen clearly within the religiously based opposition to Darwinian evolution. Although many religions have come to term with the reality of natural selection, including, by the way, young earth creationists, who reluctantly accept Darwin's theory of natural selection because of its undeniable veracity. They do, however, counter that natural selection does not explain the genesis of life on earth, a position that Darwin never held. That said, some religions still need to believe that the poetry that begins the biblical book of Genesis is describing a literal historic event. This need grows from the realization that even the slightest erosion of a literalist interpretation of Genesis undermines belief in the infallibility of the Bible. This, then, would require that any claims made by or about the Bible must withstand scrutiny of evidence, rather than be accepted by faith. A crumbling of adherents' unquestioning acceptance Of the fundamentalist interpretation of the Bible must then lead to a questioning of the fundamentalist belief system, which may, under the light of rational scrutiny, prove wanting. Now this refusal to question dogma is not limited to religious views. Political dogmas are often equally protected. Soviet communists, as we have previously discussed, also rejected Darwin's work, because it clashed with their worldview. Of course, religious opposition to science is not new. Michael Servetus was one of the first Europeans to describe the function of pulmonary circulation, describing the utility of the heart as a pump for the blood, instead of a tidal ebb and flow believed by many European physicians at the time. Servetus's contribution was largely ignored, because more attention was paid to his religious writings, which were deemed heretical. Michael Servetus was denounced by Protestant reformer John Calvin in Geneva, and Servetus was burned at the stake, along with most copies of his 1553 book about human anatomy. In 1616, William Harvey's publication of finding from his dissections helped convince physicians of what Servetus had written years earlier, that the heart pumps blood through the circulatory system. Incidentally, Servetus's discovery was predated by an Islamic physician, Ibn al-Nafis, in the 13th century. In fact, speaking of Islam, The sad end of the Islamic Golden Age provides yet another historical caution against subjugating science to ideology. No society flourished in the sciences to a greater degree than Islamic science after the fall of the Roman Empire. Between the 9th and the 14th centuries, while Europe languished in the Dark Ages, Islamic scholars, along with their Jewish, Christian, and Muslim collaborators, invented algebra, and made great advances in the studies of mathematics, astronomy, and medicine, along with literature, music, geometry, trigonometry, and accounting. This mathematical advancement was aided by Arabic numerals and the concept of the number zero, both heritages of the Islamic Golden Age received by Western culture. This time frame also witnessed great advances in geography, cartography, glassmaking, humanities, law, and animal science. Even psychology became a field of study, as Muslim scholars speculated on the nature of the nafs, the self, soul, or psyche, which encompassed the heart, the spirit, the intellect, and the will. This along with the Al-Tib Al-Ruhani, the healing of the spirit, or spiritual health, and the Tib al qalb the healing of the heart, or mental medicine, a form of early mental health therapy. Islamic chemical scientists called alchemists, a title that would take on unfortunate connotations many years later, created chemistry. And the science of optics was invented by Muslims 700 years before Isaac Newton. In fact, the Copernican revolution in astronomy in the 16th century in Europe was aided by the invention of a Tusi couple, the creation of a Persian astronomer in the 13th century. The Islamic scientists helped lay the foundation for modern science. Yet, the Islamic Golden Age ended abruptly in the mid-1400s when Islamic religious fundamentalists convinced the Muslim ruling powers that astronomy, philosophy, and science posed a great threat to God's omniscience. Instead of progress guided by human inquiry, the religious faithful held that progression of society must be at the guidance of God's will. Allah wills it, was the hymn of the faithful. And thus, Islam entered its own dark ages, governed by a fused church and state, a condition that characterizes most of the regions once part of the Abbasid Caliphate in present-day Arabia, northern Africa, and the Middle East. Fortunately, the Irish monasteries had preserved the ancient writings of the Greeks and other pagans, and many Islamic-trained scholars fled to the monasteries of Europe, where they helped, in some measure, start the Renaissance and the Enlightenment that would lift Europe out of the Dark Ages and into the light of reason. Francis Bacon taught us that knowledge is power. Suppression of knowledge, however, Is eminently dangerous and can lead to an entire culture being left behind, excluded from global progress. Attempts to control science, whether in the name of nationalistic interests, scientific convention, political orthodoxy, conventional wisdom, or religious dogma, can have devastating consequences for an entire culture. The Chinese culture held every scientific promise that Western Europe did, and possibly more. Their failure to deliver on the promise of modern psychology was due to subtle obstacles in cultural conceptions, which made the nativity of psychology in China literally unthinkable. Ideas have consequences any willingness to accept explanations without evidence simply because they match our culture or religion or philosophy, any insistence that a belief system is beyond critique or criticism because of its infallibility or inherent importance, any political stances determined by conventional labels and upheld by doctrines supplied to us by media outlets, or safe and trusted political personalities. Any system that discourages thinking and analysis, interpretation and deduction, or insists upon blind obedience or unquestioning belief can be the impediment to our moving forward in discovering the truth about what it means to be human.